Welcome to the Church Brand Guide Podcast. My name is Michael Persad. In today's episode, we're going to be taking a look at the Evangelistic Center and how they rebranded themselves in the last three to four years to now be at this church that is uh, just a leader in the community, a thought leader even within their own community um, through the changes they've made in the rebrand. Several years ago, they found themselves in a place of decline, but now through these changes and, and just rebranding themselves, they have this, this great energy and a youthful culture that has been cultivated through the change where they've got a lot of momentum as a result of it. So we're talking with Justin Vaughn today. He is um, the son of Bishop Jack Vaughn, and Justin's going to help us begin to unpack how this change took place and how Bishop Jack Vaughn was able to help the church uh, get on board with the change, because change is always tough, but they, they were able to do this very effectively. They were able to move their budgets around and stop doing certain things so that they could focus on these branding changes that we wanted to make. And uh, first, the first things that we did were on the branding side of things. So we changed a lot of visual things. The facility was updated with signage. The website was updated. The logo was updated. And then they were able to put uh, actions behind it, starting initiatives and reaching out into community, doing community events. And so we begin to al- unpack how uh, this, this looked for them to help them uh, rebrand over these uh, last several years. So Justin's going to talk with us today, and uh, hopefully this provides great inspiration and even some kind of step-by-step type of things that you might be able to do if you're thinking about the same thing within your church culture. So let's get right to it and welcome Justin Vaughn to the Church Brand Guide podcast. Thanks for joining me today on the Church Brand Guide podcast. Today I'm excited to have our guest in uh, with us. He actually uh, has been working with me for quite a while uh, over the last several years to uh, help rebrand uh, his church. Um, and actually, it's uh, his father's the, the pastor, the bishop of the church, and and then uh, Justin has been working with us to help uh, Bishop Vaughn to uh, begin to move in a, in, a, in a new direction. So we're going to unpack how that's gone. So I'm really excited about this episode because we can get a good inside view of what a rebrand uh, looks like and has looked like for this church that's located in the inner city of, uh, of Kansas City. So Justin, welcome to the podcast today. I'm, I'm glad you're here to join us. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. All right. Excellent. So we're going to get to know you a little bit. So what's your story? Uh, just tell me a little bit of, of your background. <laughs> um, well, let's see. Uh, I often tell people that I was kind of born into what I do, uh, being that my, um, my father, uh, Bishop Jack Sivan, uh, the pastor of the Evangelistic Center, which is the church uh, that I'm working with and that I attend. Um, my grandfather started the church and my, it was handed down to my father. So as a uh, infant, you know, I had no other choice but to either I was an usher in the church, I was parking cars or I was doing something involved in ministry. Uh, so it's always been in me. Uh, I just didn't know it was quite uh, big as a passion as it has become until later on in life. So, um, you know, I went to... Uh, college uh, with the purpose of uh, equipping myself with the tools that I thought that would help the ministry. So I got my uh, human resource uh, degree from Kansas State University and went on to pursue my uh, master's in business administration directly following that. Uh, my profession, as I like to say, by day is uh, healthcare administration, uh, but by night it's uh, and throughout the day full-time ministry for the church. Gotcha. Uh, so you're Batman. Yeah, that. right. <laughs> Renaissance man of uh, of different sorts. So yeah. <laughs> so um, that is really cool. So your your father is the uh, the bishop of Evangelistic Center. His father before him was the bishop, 
And then, so it's been a, a couple generations, you're kind of the third generation stepping into uh, the role as uh, in leadership of the church. Right. And um, so what, why don't you paint a picture for our audience of what the church was like. Uh, you came on about five years ago and started to step more into a leadership role, but paint a picture of what the church was like um, before you, you started working with them. Okay. Uh, originally, my role was... Uh, was more on the finances. So I came in uh, finance and I was just a general counter. We had a, um, a gentleman who was uh, Deacon George Fields who kind of molded me, uh, what I would say, in ministry as far as the business aspect of the ministry and took me under his wing. Uh, he obviously saw something in me uh, that he thought would be beneficial. So I was uh, still am in the background in sorts, but I was really in the background at that time, just kind of um, watching him, looking at the different accounting aspects. And uh, from then on, um, he began, you know, still molded me and uh, he began to get ill and he passed away. So then it kind of the mantle kind of landed on me, so to speak. And that's when I stepped into a major leadership role. But um, being in that role, what I started to see was, you know, started to take a different focus or a different scope of the ministry. Uh, so instead of being so so focused on one area of ministry, which was finances, uh, kind of start to let my passion drive me to other areas and start to look at where were we at as a ministry in whole. So uh, what was the temperature of the ministry? What was the heartbeat? And, and what did I see when I looked out in the audience on a Sunday or a Tuesday uh, when we gathered for worship? Uh, and what I started to see was that, you know, we were the same church that we were when I was in high school. So to speak. So um, my viewpoint on that was everything around us is changing, but the church is remaining the same. Uh, so the congregation uh, started to get a little bit older. Uh, and so we have those, you know, you have those stable people in your congregation who are going to be there. I mean, they're, they're pillars in the congregation, uh, but you have uh, those young adults who will kind of gauge what I like to say the future of the church. Uh, gauge the longevity of it, and I started to see that waver. So that's when I really started to hone in, okay, what's going on here? Um, why are we seeing a, a decrease in the young adults, which, again, uh, I like to refer to as the vital signs. Our vital signs were not good at all. Um, so our church was very traditional, and that's uh, what I started to hone in on was that you can't be traditional and innovative at the same time. So something has to has to give in that aspect. And if we're traditional, we weren't appealing to a younger audience, uh, which if we don't appeal to that younger audience, then we're not going to have that longevity that we need to have. Uh, we're basically a dying church. As I saw it. So uh, that's when I really started to hone in on, OK, what strategy or what strategic things can we do to start to change the the direction of this ship and kind of turn it around. So we're, so we're more progressive and not so traditional. Yeah. I, I remember having a conversation with you several years ago and discussing that, that kind of idea. Um, I think we joked about it. Yeah. <laughs> um. yeah. yeah. And it's, you know, when, uh, and this is for, you know, or really anyone, if you look out into your, your congregation and, uh, the biggest percentage of your church is of the, um, uh, let me say, an older age or a more seasoned age, um, to me, that's not a good vital sign um, for your church because those those uh, parishioners are in the kind of the last years of their life. So if you don't have someone to pass the torch, so to speak, and someone that is uh, coming along in ministry, then you have a dying ministry because you're you're hanging your the future of your ministry on the hat of parishioners that have a 
that have a certain timeline themselves. So uh, we needed to inject a figure out a way to inject a younger audience to kind of uh, help that out. So the, the funerals were not dictating <laughs> the, the future of the church, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. Well, babies were being born too. So right. You, you grow and, yeah. No, it's uh, it's it's sad, but it's true. There's a lot of churches in that same boat where um, if you don't change, uh, eventually you're going to find yourself in a decline. Um, so you have to have this ability to, to change. And I think that's unique about what you guys have done. Um, this church has been around for a long time, and there's a lot of people that really, really like what they had. And then you came along and you start to implement change. Mm-hmm. So can you can you talk about maybe how that was received as you began to change some things? Yes, I had to. Uh, it, it took some time, and the, the first I won't say obstacle, but the first kind of well, let's say barrier that I had to get through was my father, uh, Bishop Bond. So uh, he was very comfortable with the thing, the way things were. Not to say that anything was wrong with that, uh, but no one had ever come along to challenge the status quo of where we were. So uh, he was receptive, but yet and still at the same time hesitant to, okay, my, I appreciate my youngest son being passionate about ministry, but, you know, hold off a second because you want to change a lot of things that I'm used to. Uh, the, the first uh, conversation and major change that we made was our, uh, our presence on the radio and the certain broadcast that we were on, um, it was a, a gospel radio station, which radio is fine if it's used effectively. Uh, but we had been on there, I mean, since my grandfather was pastoring. So we, I mean, it, we had been for years and years, and it was just something that, you know, um, people were used to hearing Dave Vaughn and uh, at that time Elder Jack Vaughn on the radio uh, giving those words of encouragement. And you had this uh, this younger generation coming along saying that we need to come off of this. And that was uh, one of the first kind of triumphal battles, let me say, for me uh, was to do that. Uh, but I had to show the pros and the cons. And I, I think the uh, the key to change is you have to, uh, especially the key points of leadership, uh, present the change, but show the benefit of the change. Uh, and because it's, you know, often if you can present the benefit in the way that outweighs what the attachment is to the old and, and kind of weigh the cons. And if I can present in a certain type of way that makes it attractive, then if you get leadership buy-in, then it's often easier to get the rest of the support cast to buy into you. So um, we eventually came off the radio and my um, kind of pro to that was this money can be used on live streaming. Um, so, you know, versus having this select audience that is listening to a gospel radio station and you know this audience more than likely they're not younger adults for this station so they're the older uh christians that are more stable and have a um probably have a church home already that they're going to on sundays let's broaden our audience to people that really may need to hear it so basically let's not take water to the ocean let's take it to the desert so let's figure out how can we get water to those to those people who um, may not go to church on Sunday. How can we use these dollars to really do ministry work in that aspect? So uh, we came off uh, the radio and we start streaming and 
you know, our audience was very slow at first. I mean, you have to get the word out there on the streaming, but uh, when he started to see, and I made sure I gave him updates, you know, we're up to this many people, and this is the kind of resources that it is bringing in because the radio wasn't bringing in resources because we weren't using our monies effectively. So um, once he starts seeing the kind of benefit of that and people saying, well, you know, I was able to watch you on live stream and we're getting people from Arizona and uh, Mexico and all of these different countries and states tuning in, then he said, wow, I'm really reaching all of these people with the same amount of dollars that I was using just to reach local, a few people in uh, Kansas City and the surrounding. Yeah, uh, man. So you um, you basically were showing your father the results. Right. So you talked to him about having some change. Mm -hmm. And then you were sure that you, you made sure that he saw the results of the change. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's great. Um, I, I'm trying to think of somebody else in your shoes. Uh, maybe it's the son of another bishop that's out there or pastor and they could see the need for change. Or maybe it's just somebody else. Usually it's a younger generation and there's an older generation ahead of them and, and maybe they don't, the older generation is complacent in some way. What would, what would be the advice, the word of advice that you might give to that young leader that sees that there's a need for, yeah. for a change? Uh, the first thing I would say is not to, uh, not to give up on uh, your vision for what you see. Um, it was strong enough in me that I, I, I knew it was right and I couldn't let it go. Uh, but I also uh, could not let my passion for it um, overshadow the strategic steps that I needed to take. Uh, so I had to, um, you know, pray for wisdom in how to deal with uh, the change and how to implement and present the change. Uh, so I would say start small. Um, I think the important thing with change Although change may be positive, if it's done the wrong way, then it can have a negative impact. Uh, so to to start small, because it's important if, you know, if you're presenting change to me, if you start small, I can see the results. If you try to do everything at once, it's too over. It's too overbearing. And you also, you know, you get a lot of pushback. And I've seen that even in my professional uh, career, that if change is done wrong, then you're necessarily going to get pushback. And if you get that pushback once, it's often hard to come back from that. Uh, so to start very small, and, and what I like to, and I got this from uh, Andy Stanley, actually, the breadcrumbs, and I just kind of use it in a different scenario, but uh, start small with the breadcrumbs so they see that, okay, this is working, and then they start to get excited about what's next. So it makes it easier for you to implement a different change because they bought into what you know what your uh what your passion was at first and what your vision was and once you get them to buy into a few things and they see the positive results and then you really have them locked in and it's a lot easier for them mm, very good uh, and to bishop bond's credit uh we've been working with them so we have a very unique privilege of you know we're in the area i work with you on different projects so mm -hmm. we'll go out on a video shoot with bishop bond i remember uh one of the recent shoots we did, um, he we we made Bishop Vaughn walk all these stairs. We went to this big monument in uh, in Kansas City, and the the video was about you know taking the stairs or something like that. And we had him walk a lot, yeah. <laughs> a lot of stairs. Um, and he, he Bishop Vaughn he uh, he doesn't completely grasp the why behind what we're doing, but he just trusts you. Mm -hmm. And I could see that mm -hmm. he was just like, you know, I'm, it's fine. I'll walk these stairs. I'll do it because I know that Justin has a plan mm -hmm. and he trusts you. So over the over that period of time, you, you really developed a, a big uh, reservoir of trust. Yes. And, you know, I, I think he well, I don't think I know that he was able to see my passion, see my passion for ministry 
because, you know, behind it all, I want our ministry to be successful and I, and I want us to be able to reach people. And, you know, it's different from trusting me as a son to trusting me in this position that has an intricate part in the direction of the ministry. So, you know, kind of two, two dynamics there. Uh, so, of course, he trusted me as a son, uh, but he began to know me more as uh, a, a force in the ministry that had good ideas and a passion to really drive the ministry forward uh, with also elevating certain areas and not wanting to harm the ministry in any area you know, whatsoever, but really pushing the ministry forward. And, you know, once he was able to lock in on that, um, and again, to his credit, like you said, he was, he trusts me and gives me the freedom. And now I still have that oversight of him and, um, you know, have that checks and balances, but he gives me that freedom to say, son, I trust you. Uh, what do I need to do and what do we need to do to make this happen? Yeah. So what was the first things that you did when you started? Just, uh, I'm trying to think on the practical side, like mm -hmm. what, what was, what was the vision and, uh, how did that come up? Come I call it the, uh, uh, when I talked before, I call it the TV approach. So in our lobby uh, areas of our ministry, we had bulletin boards. So, you know, the, uh, the bulletin boards where if you wanted to update the announcement, you would go to the store and buy the C and the D and put the letters together and staple them on the bulletin board. And that's how we present it. Um, but with the full scope of what I know, I was looking at rebranding the church. Uh, I didn't I didn't want to lie to my customers as I see it. So I didn't want to rebrand with this innovative branding. And then they walk into the church and it's totally different. So I knew that the, what they saw, whether that be on the internet or what they heard on the, uh, what they saw on the live stream, um, when they walked into our grounds of our church, it needed to match. So the branding needed to be conceptual to where it flowed throughout the whole uh, ministry. So I took a bulletin board, down that was right outside the sanctuary and put a flat screen TV up. That was my, now the, the TV wasn't hooked up. Nothing was playing on it. Um, but I did it on a Saturday, strategically on a Saturday, because I know we have uh, church on what well, we have uh, fellowship on Tuesday nights. So we have that break to where they come back on Sunday. So I wanted to have that effect of, okay, when did this happen? So did that on a Saturday and I got there very early on that Sunday. So I can see the first one or two people walk in uh, for eight o'clock morning worship. And I kind of stood in the hallway just to see the reaction. So, you know, you have some reaction. Well, what's that for? Or, well, that's neat. We got a TV. Uh, and that was my first bread come, as I call it. So, you know, uh, trying to get the reaction. What that did for people walking in is, okay, there's change taking place. I don't know what it is yet, uh, but we're moving from bulletin boards to TVs, to so flat screen TVs now. So that was my, my first thing to kind of get them to buy. And again, you know, it, it wasn't it wasn't hooked up. And it was funny because it wasn't hooked up. I was trying to figure out how to put something on the screen. Uh, so we developed a, a, a DVD to kind of rotate. But I just know I needed something. Uh, but I needed something visual there. So when you walked and if you had been there for four years or two years, you knew that something different was taking place. So that was my first breakdown was that TV approach. So um, to take the old down and put something up that signified change. And from, you know, from there, uh, we moved into uh, the sanctuary. We had pews in the sanctuary. Um, so we had a lot of my, my dad is a lover of plants. He loves he loves flowers and plants. So we had a uh, our, our pulpit was 
pretty much what I like to call decked out with flowers and plants. Uh, so that was extremely, <laughs> extremely hard uh, because I knew for a live stream I wanted to present a certain way. Um, so, you know, what my studying was, I would look at other progressive ministries in different areas and see what was working for them and to see how can I customize that to how we do ministry to make it work for us. And one thing I noticed, which was pretty um, synonymous across the board, was that you know, I didn't see a lot of flowers and things on the stage. It was a clean stage uh, with different lighting effect that really focused the attention on what it needed to be on. And I teased my father. I said, I feel like I'm in the Garden of Eden, you know, walking through. I mean, it's just so much. And am I in a, you know, a floor shop or what? So we had to uh, we removed that. So I started by removing one at a time. <laughs> so I would remove one and people would, would say things to me like something's missing from the say, ah, no, it's really not. No, we're okay. It's just, so then I would remove another one. And then pretty soon they're like, it, it looks bad. It's just so empty. But I saw the overall where I was trying to get uh, and try to break them from what they were, uh, what they were seeing. So we moved the flowers at the same time we were working on the pews. Um, so we had the uh, we had uh, kind of a hardwood type of floor in the church. And it was more so um, towel. We had towel in the church. It was really loud. And we had the pews in there. So uh, I took out um, one pew and uh, we bought some, some chairs, which you see in a lot of the churches now. Uh, but bought the cushion chairs and just just put one row of cushion chairs. The next Sunday, they saw another pew taken out. And we put cushion chairs and on the finance end. What we ask for people to do again, I'm involved in, you know, a lot of those areas is uh, we ask our parishioners to purchase a purchase a row. So uh, we start doing that. And my key to that, which they know it now, so I can say it now, was uh, I already had the seats purchased. So in effect, when we raise that money on a Sunday, each Sunday, purchase a pew, the parishioner saw chairs being put in. So. What that did for the the minds of the parishioners, I believe, and from the feedback I've I've gotten, this is the uh, concept that I came up with, that when they gave, the next Sunday they saw results. So if I'm able to show the parishioners results after asking for something, it gives them that feeling of they're really using and I'm really making an effect. So each Sunday we would just do a, a row, take a, a pew out, put another row in, uh, and then you know pretty soon they saw that the the pews were gone and we had all these cushion seats in and then we got the carpeting in. So they saw the, the church really transforming. So it started from a TV and they knew change was coming. And now they see these different changes taking effect and they see the benefit of it. So now they're not complaining about sitting on hard pews. They actually have cushion seats. Uh, and from there, we did a lot with uh, media. And then the next part was when, you know, I'm contacting uh, Prasad Creative to say, OK, this is where we're at and this is what I need help with. So you need you needed to get some momentum built up. And so you basically strategically you did some things to get that momentum. Was there ever a point where maybe there's an announcement made or to hear this is what we're doing, you know, something from the pulpit or did your dad, Bishop Vaughn, did he actually say something about it at some point? How did that go? Yeah, and he said uh, the announcement came with the chairs. Uh, so we, we announced that, that we were... Um, going to be transitioning the sanctuary to more of a more multi-purpose use uh and that you know once i you know once i sold it to my my father then in turn 
of course, I had that buy-in from him, then they're hearing it from leadership. And that's why, you know, I, I re go back to how important it is for the leadership to buy in because the parishioners latch onto the voice of their leader. So if the leader says, this is where we're going to go and, you know, uh, and has that passion behind it, they see that passion they got behind that. So, um, you know, they, they got behind the chair. So he announced that. And, you know, so they knew that we were transforming the sanctuary around and, um, you know, he, he didn't announce the flowers. I think he was still holding on to the, <laughs> to the plants. The chairs were easy, but he kind of stayed away from <laughs> I think that's something that just kind of happened and people just saw the difference. But, uh, you know, it's funny because one Sunday I came in and I saw another. I'm like, how did that get back up? <laughs> so I had to remove them from the building uh, in general. But, yeah, he did make that general announcement. So the uh, they saw the TV but then they knew from the leadership that change was indeed coming in. We started with that sanctuary. So, um, you know, it wasn't until after um, talking with you and, and starting those initial conversations with you that we really started to put the gas on the change and kind of really move forward at a fast pace. Was there any pushback from anyone? Uh, there was. There were certain rumblings from parishioners that they didn't understand uh, while we were doing it. And, you know, when you're when some people will understand when they're giving and you know others will want to know well why are we using money for this and because they don't see the need for change um you have those you always have those who will be comfortable the way things are and a lot of people don't see the need for it until they see the positive results and then they jump on the bandwagon so uh we have those who you know um were in like maybe the the first or second quarter i will call it that you know, the the game is not, you know, it's still even. And they say, I don't see why we're doing this. Uh, but then they see the game kind of picking up in the third and fourth quarter. And by that fourth quarter, uh, crunch time there, what are we doing next? You know, they're they're all on board. So we had that pushback. And that was hard for me uh, because, you know, uh, even though I'm not in the forefront of the congregation leading now, I'm the one that's in the forefront of the change and kind of really pushing the change. And, you know, it made me question because this is new for me, you know, I, um, it's this it's this feeling that I have that, you know, this thing that won't let me uh, sleep, that I, I, it's this passion that God has put in me. So when you're carrying that weight of it, when people say certain things, it's hard for you to shake that off. And then you have to revert back to I, I, I know this is not a me thing. I know this is what I'm doing for God. And I know God has placed this in me to be able to benefit the ministry. So I just had to result back to that. But, yeah, we, we had those 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 complaints. But. You know, it's God knows um, what you need. And for every one of those complaints, there were five people coming up to me saying, you're doing a great job, saying, I know it's you. <laughs> I know it's you that's behind all this and you're doing a great job. Uh, so God knew when to send those people my way and that kicked in and that just kind of gave me the extra, the fuel to keep going. Yeah, we, we did uh, quite a bit. Uh, so you contacted uh, myself. We came in, I remember that. First time we sat down, we were talking about a website. Yeah. We talked about um, that somehow we got onto a logo and maybe mm -hmm. redoing the logo. Mm -hmm. the, the logo you had, if I remember right, had a cross, a Bible, yeah. a dove. Right. It had a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a, a lot a lot going on there with that logo. Yeah, because my, my initial thought was, okay, we need a new website. And that's what I think. We need a new website. And, you know, we had that initial meeting and the whole rebranding concept. I knew I didn't know how to put necessarily verbiage and a definition to what I was doing. And then you kind of introduced, okay, we may need to rebrand here. Uh, 
because you heard my passion and you, you said this is, goes beyond more than just a website. Uh, this is a, a total rebranding and a revamping we need to do of uh, the ministry. And once I kind of caught on to that, that's when I, I just kind of went full force. So uh, the initial idea was, OK, let's let's do a nice website. Uh, but it was no, we need to rebrand to really get what you're wanting to get out of the ministry. Yeah, so that rebrand was really interesting. We uh, we took out a, the religious elements mm -hmm. to everything. So mm -hmm. based on what you were saying you wanted to do, you you now, instead of focusing inwardly on this club that has been built up, you wanted to focus more outward and reach out to people that were on the streets walking by. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, the new logo is actually an E and a C, and it's nothing religious about it. Um, the The... The, the God message is basically after the fact. You know, you come and you experience and then you get the, the, the God message behind it. Right. And we moved on. We did some different things um, beyond the website and the logo. We did, did some stuff in the facility, mm -hmm. put some signage up. Yeah. Um, I think the big idea was we want to be a welcoming place. And your building was a beautiful, is a beautiful building. It, it's got three levels to it. And, uh, but when you walk into it at first, it's hard to know where to go. Right. Where, where do I go take my kids or anything like that? So one of the first things I remember we did was uh, after that logo and website, we did some signage mm -hmm. in, the, in the facility. And we worked on some the, the stage because you wanted to live stream. So then we redid the stage in the auditorium areas. Was there anything, I guess, in particular that stood out, stands out to you as, you know, uh, you got a big reaction from or you yourself had a... Yeah, it was the... Um... It was the, the signage. So with, along with the signage, um, we had to, so that's, you know, you have the, that first breadcrumb being the TV, and then you have uh, the sanctuary removing uh, removing the flowers and putting the seats. But um, the, the focus that I wanted to, to do was on customer service. Um, so, you know, uh, it, it's funny how the, the church seems to be one area that um, the people want to come and expect it to be the same but they miss the business element of it. So those those strategic business elements of having exceptional customer service. So when your parishioners or your guests walk in, how do they know where to go? So, you know, am I walking in uh, your, your church and I'm standing at the front door with no idea where to go from there? And, you know, we have the element of people having greeters, but um, how can how can I present good customer service without having to have anybody present? So signage was a big part of that. Um, and even the, the first, uh, <laughs> the, the first kind of sign of that, that that was a positive thing was actually doing a funeral and uh, we would have funerals a lot and that people were not really familiar with our facility and where things were. So you always find people roaming around, where's your bathroom? You know, uh, how do I get out? I mean, where's the sanctuary? Cause it's a beautiful complex. Um, um, very historic complex, uh, but it's it, it lacked the customer service aspect of it and that just warm feel. Um, if I go into somewhere and I know where to go, it's a certain comfort that I have instead of being lost. So I didn't want people to feel lost. So uh, the signage was big and uh, the other element to, to the directional signage was how can I display who we are and you get a good conceptual feel of this who this is who EC is by just walking into the facility. So, um, you know, we did the I got with you on the different signage of our missions. So that was one thing I want. If anybody walks away 
if they walk away with anything uh, from this worship experience or if they're in the hallway just talking, I want them to know that EC is about missions. Uh, that's the thrust of what we do. That's what our focus is. So uh, we did that signage uh, in the hallways with the different communities that we worked with, uh, the, the shelter, homeless shelters. And so when you walk into the hallways or walk downstairs, you go into the restroom, our message is the same of this is who EC is. Uh, also put the logo up in different places so that would stand out. And I like to refer to, you know, one of my, and we laugh about this all the time. Uh, I often go to different places, whether that's a restaurant, uh, you know, Michael always says, I can tell where you've been because <laughs> you you're coming back with different ideas. But if you see a McDonald's arch, if you see the uh, the the Apple logo, you know what that is. So that was the whole concept of not needing to put, I didn't feel like we needed to put a cross on anything or add a dove. I wanted when people, I want when people see that EC to know this is what EC is. So I want that to transcend beyond the four walls of, you know, you, you saw EC with a cross or a dove. This is a church. We're not just a church. We're a, uh, we're a community of people who serve the community. So I wanted that to transcend to, you know, we got into the clothing and I guess we'll get into the apparel and I wanted that to transcend to, you know, to being able to put that on uh, different products to be able to sell. And so that EC just fit and it was, you know, it, it says volumes of who we are based off of what we do, not what's all in the logo. Right. And we uh, we did a lot of stuff with your youth spaces as well. Yes. So one of the things that you uh, you mentioned is that hey, we want to reach out to younger people. And one of the things we found is that um, people that are reaching out, churches that are reaching out to millennials, are the churches that are growing. Mm -hmm. Not that it's uh, you shouldn't reach out to anybody else, but everybody wants to be young. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and if you're you know if you're older, you 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 kind of gravitate to that naturally. So. Churches that are strategic about reaching out to younger people are the churches that are full of life. Right. And so we, uh, we actually redid your youth space, a very traditional building itself, but we created a youth environment. So mm -hmm. when teenagers walk in, they had a home, a place right. that was theirs. And we wanted them to have ownership. And that was, you know, uh, before what we had was a, uh, it was our chapel, and that's what it was. Our, we had a smaller chapel in our facility uh, that we would use for our chapel services, but it was um, very traditional in nature um, from the previous uh, occupants of the facility that we uh, purchased the church from. Uh, but we wanted the youth. The youth would have service in there, but they never had ownership of it because it didn't look like them. So, you know, they were just in a space doing something. So we wanted to give them their own space and ownership to walk in and say, this is mine and this is me. So we did uh, different colors on the wall, uh, put some signage up. I, I love black ceilings and, and kind of the modern feel of that. So we painted the ceiling black and uh, did some um, black PVC pipes and painted those pipes black and uh, did the logos on the wall and painted the back wall black and uh, just kind of totally changed that around for them and you know put new lighting in so now they have their own space um now i have to tug a war with the sunday school class at times to let them know that that is the youth space but now the youth when they come in they take ownership and pride in knowing this ministry thinks enough about us to give us our own space so we saw that result from the youth and then the kind of directors of the children's ministry were like you got to do the same thing for us uh so we 
then moved to them and uh, recreated a space for them that was initially our fellowship hall, but again, did repainting and did some graphics that were catered towards kids. And we also, you know, got with you on creating our own children's ministry characters. Uh, so we have what we call KB Bear and we have uh, Deb the Duck are the two characters that we have right now, uh, which Deb the Duck is based off of my Aunt Deborah, who originally was kind of the person who started our children's ministry. And uh, we have KB Bear, which stands, which stands for Kingdom Builders, which is the name of our Kingdom Builders, uh, Kingdom Ministry uh, Department, our children's ministry department. So we developed those. So not only do they have their own space, they have characters to, correct, uh, to connect with, and we can develop those characters later on down the road line with um, children's books and things like that so it's all of those small steps leading towards the bigger picture and after a while we we started to create this momentum I think uh, you talked about it a little bit so we started with a few things and built up and built up and then then at some point you you came with the idea of like hey let's create a um, let's create a brand around um, <clears throat> our, our push to reach outwards mm -hmm. and so you came with this uh, APMG uh, initiative yeah and so we created like a, a little logo that looks like the church logo but it's it, it has a little more to it and mm -hmm. so why don't you talk about the apmg initiative and kind of how that that has grown and uh, the impact yeah um that, that started from a message my my father was doing and it wasn't the title or uh, even a main part of the message he just he mentioned it in his sermon and uh, i was uh in the back uh with the uh, director of marketing at that time and i said man that, that sounds, that's catchy. Uh, you know, all people matter to God is catchy and is universal. Um, so, you know, whether you are, you know, uh, in church, you know, whether denomination you are, that's something that people can gravitate to is just all people matter to God. So, you know, I went back home and it just kept, I mean, it just stuck with me. I was like, why can't I shake this? And I said, well, let me try something. So we put it on a T-shirt and it was a very generic T-shirt that had all people matter to God, had my father's name on it and had our website. So we did that and printed off a few of those. So, you know, we had a few people wear them, but, you know, my my, my youth and young adults are like, I'm not wearing that. And I'm like, why? <laughs> why not? Uh, because it wasn't attractive. Uh, it was more so just a kind of you know, advertising shirt for the church. So it wasn't attractive. So I said, how can I change this? And this when I got, uh, got you involved, Michael, to, to make this really attractive. So it's, it's a nice shirt that people just want to wear in general. So we shortened up the all people married to God and really created an acronym uh, APMG. So that was catchy. It rolled off the tongue good. So I said, let's try that. Um, and let me work with you know, Michael on a design. So I looked at different designs online, what was catchy and what was trendy. So we, um, we created, uh, that t-shirt and we put that out there for sale and sold out the first Sunday. And we generated, um, about 80 to 90 shirts and we sold all of them out. So not only, you know, I'm thinking, well, let's just see if they, if it catches on, but it was revenue stream coming in for the church as well. So, you know, then I had people coming back. I wore it in the mall and somebody said they wanted one. They wanted this. So from there, and this is what I mean by the full force, we had a, a bookstore uh, that we just sold books out of. So here comes Justin again wanting to <laughs> change things. So totally revamped that store 
took all the books out and just made that general our APMG clothing store. So we turned that into our hub and, you know, we would do new shirts. So we moved into hoodies and everybody just started catching on and buying that. So it became kind of it, it kind of grew legs on its own. So then I said, well, let's spin off of this APMG and make this the face of our missions. So our APMG initiative to where all people matter to God. And, you know, no matter who you are, what race, uh, you know, what gender, what anything, no matter what your belief system is, we love you. And we wanted to spread the message of love without judgment. So that's really the basis of all people matter to God. Um, and that took, you know, we developed the uh, APMG initiative, which now is the face of what we do in our missions. And APMG then became, along with EC, the brand of the church. So evangelistic center, you think of all people matter to God. Oh, very good. Yeah, I love the evolution of that. And I also love the way that that has become a very unique part of your ministry. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, the gospel is the gospel. That doesn't change. But people respond differently in different ways. So in, in the culture of your church and your area, people really responded to these t-shirts. Mm -hmm. And so you just went with it. You saw that that was what was happening. So you, then you created this thing, mm -hmm. uh, the initiative, which then got people engaged in the community to feed homeless people or do some of the things that you were doing in the area, clean up the city blocks around mm -hmm. the area. Um, all those different things. You even created a website and uh, pr provided the, uh, the clothing online to where people, other people can get it. Mm -hmm. And then you, the cool thing about that is that you're showing like the work that the church is doing uh, through the website. Like right. the fact that you guys are out in the streets doing stuff, that's, that's part of the website. Mm -hmm. And a big inspiration for that was uh, uh, Tom Shoes. And we did, you know, heavy studying on him to, to look at that and draw that inspiration. And, you know, it's just the, the overall picture of going outside the four walls and being more, it's not enough to meet on Sunday and Tuesday and not uh, take the gospel out to people who really need it and who really need to hear uh, the word of God. And I think the, you know, my grandfather was big on his key saying was love makes the difference. And that was his quote that people know him by. And, you know, just to spread that love and that general message that, you know, you matter to God and you matter to us. So, you know, and tying in the, you know, because it all ties in and it's wonderful how everything ties in together. Um, the EC branding and, and that what that being about not having a cross or anything. We're not trying to to necessarily push anything on you. We just want to push love. And I believe if we we exemplify love, the, the power of God and things will has has enough power to do what it needs to do. So that will do the rest. Uh, but we need to push love. And my grandfather would say that. You know, um, no one wants to know how much you know until they know how much you care. So, you know, we just want people to know that we care and then we can, you know, speak, speak the gospel to him. He's, he used to use the example with, you know, you can't go to a homeless man that's hungry and you're preaching to him. You know, feed him first, you know, um, give them something to eat so they actually can hear what you're saying. So that's kind of the, the, the thrust behind what we do in our missions is, um, you know, all people matter to God again and just spreading that word and the gospel and being more than just a church, uh, being a community of people. So can you speak to the results um, that you've seen? I mean, we, we've talked about it kind of around it, mm -hmm. but is there any specifics that you, could, you can share with us of how the people of the church have responded to this, this change? We have a, uh, the, the biggest, uh, if I had to describe it in one word, and I'll expound on this, is excitement. Um, 
you know, we went uh, when I initially started with the with the you know the first bear crumb of the TV. I didn't feel that the excitement was there. Um, I remember when I was you know I went back to the teenage years where it seemed like everywhere you went, people knew who EC was. And Bishop, oh, that's the church owner. I mean, they're really doing this, and they have awesome music, and they have this. And I didn't feel like we had that same buzz. And I, you know, I, I think the reason why we lost that because we didn't evolve with the culture we didn't evolve with with the time so we stayed the same so once people saw and the parishioners and visitors saw things changing and we were what i call catching up they were excited but i'm and i'm like we have so much more to do that excitement came back and that buzz came back and then you have you know we we dove into social media and and really working with you know with you on okay this is how we are strategic about social media. We got heavy into videos. Um, we used to just post things, but we got heavy into professional pictures and doing actual video. And now if you look at social media, all you have is really is video. It's a lot of video. So just studying, you know, where the culture was and where the world was with technology and uh, trying to make sure we're in line with that and not behind the curve, but on the curve with the way things are, are moving. So the excitement came back and the youthfulness came back. So we, I started to see more young adults visiting, more young adults bringing young adults. So we were this vibrant ministry again that seemed to be on the age and we still are on the edge of, you know, what's innovative and keeping up with things. And even from, you know, we went from, you know, you had to be there on a Sunday to, to give to with the new website, creating online giving mobile apps and text to giving. So, you know, the excitement is there and, and it, it went from hesitation to what's next, Justin. So now I can't keep up with the demand necessarily uh, to what they want to see. So it's disappointing to them if they don't see something new happening. Uh, so if you know, if it's not anything new in the church, what are we doing new with technology or, you know, um, we were we went to doing series with the teaching and now as you mentioned before alluded to um, we're doing you know series videos so we're able to push those on Facebook and you know the first one we showed it was a standing ovation in the church I mean they're just so excited so that excitement is back it has given a new source of energy to our ministry um, and you know now it's just a matter of staying on top of things and you know doing new things which uh, uh, I have a, a team now. So it's not only, and I think this is important to mention, not only Justin now, I have a team of people who share the same passion uh, that God has brought to the ministry to help carry this out. Uh, although one person may have initiated it, it's too much for one person to bear and carry on. So uh, God has provided that support system of people. So uh, now we, you know, it's full force. And now it's who the ministry is. It's the identity of the ministry. So we have totally changed from this traditional church to now we're an innovative ministry that other ministries are looking at to say, you know, how can we do this? How did you do this? Uh, so and although we still have a lot more to do, uh, we're not at all an elite ministry, but we are a ministry who is. Uh, taking the right steps in the right direction. So it's exciting to see that to go from, you know, being the ministry that was behind to the ministry that has aggressively caught up to where things are. And now we're helped to other ministries in the same predicament. Yeah. You know, uh, we, uh, we work with our company works with several churches, uh, lots of churches in this particular area. So, I, and I remember when uh, we've been working with this church for a little bit uh, years ago and you were checking them out. Yeah, because we we did some things and you were, you know checking out what what we did over there and 
now, um, just even recently, I, um, I'll go to that church, and they're like, man, have you seen what EC has done? <laughs> yeah. or, a, or a different church, and they're like, man, EC, did you see what they're doing, or whatever. whatever. So yeah, you're right. And even as I'm bouncing around from different churches, uh, it's, it's cool within the, uh, the circle of churches anyway that you guys really are. You're very mm-hmm. influential now. Yes. I think Bishop Vaughn has found new influence um, in his circle of uh, people that he, you know, that different pastors from mm-hmm. the area or even around the country. Because he's been making a lot of these changes. Yeah, and a lot of people are uh, looking to us and looking to him uh, that are in, and you know, you have, you may have young pastors who are, who have taken over church from, you know, um, maybe an older gentleman, maybe it's a father, maybe it's a grandfather. So they're trying to, to kind of breathe that, that brush of fresh air into the ministry. Uh, but you may have people that are still holding on to the old. So they're looking at a, uh, uh, a young man, I'll call him, but he's a lot older and a father figure to them, uh, you know, for one, you know, and, and I'll kind of go in a different direction. You have those who have sons just like me that are coming up, but they're looking at my father saying, well, you did it. How were you able to kind of let go a little bit and let your son operate in his gift? So it's different areas. You have those who look at him as a father figure and those who are just saying, how did you do it? Uh, you know, my son is saying these things and, you know, you have those sons who are, are now contacting me saying, man, I'm trying to do the same thing that you're doing. And your father's helping my father let go and, and kind of allow me to make these changes because he's seeing the benefit that it's having on you. So um, I think that's the that's what when you go home at the end of the night and, you know, when you're spending that time with God and constantly talking to him. And that's what it's about, ultimately, is um, not only helping EC, uh, but helping other churches be more modern. It, it, it hurts me and my father. It hurts me uh, when we, you know, if we drive past or we hear about a church closing or, you know, a church had to shut its doors because that's years of history and years of, of, of you know, parishioners giving their time and years of prayer and all of that for those doors to shut. Um, to me, when a door shuts to a church, that's something that uh, that's another church that the community is missing out on that could have helped the community. Uh, the church is for the community. Uh, so we want to help churches have that longevity. And we're trying to have that ourselves, and we're focused on that. But 10 years from now, how can this move from this was my grandfather's church to this church has evolved to now is my church? And 10 years from that, how can we move from this is not just in church anymore when i have kids it's their church so they continue to evolve to where we stay relevant to generations and we can carry the message on change the methods but the message is the same that 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 god is the living god and and that we want to spread love throughout the community so is there anything specifically that you're going to be working on next in the upcoming uh months or year uh yes uh you know i I have I like to say I have a, I'm like an artist that has music for five years down the road. So I have ideas and ideas. It's just a matter of uh, taking those steps to make sure we implement them right. But, um, you know, we're looking at expanding and, and branching off to uh, satellite ministry. Don't know when that will happen. That's something we're trying to take strategic steps to doing, uh, but also uh, doing more things for the community. Uh, we've recently just. Um, one of the houses that we've owned for uh, a number of years, we've uh, 
uh, altered that and renovated that to be a transitional home as a part of our missions outreach. Uh, so, you know, we had our first family uh, in there not to. This is something that's brand new that we started uh, a homeless family and they benefited from that transitional home. Uh, we sent them to financial literacy classes and different things like that. And now that family has uh, purchased a home of their own. So that's a um, uh, kind of success story that we have there. So uh, we're doing a lot of things in the community and, and working on uh, different things with different uh, community officials and government officials to see what we can do to benefit the community around us. So um, we're we're at a, a very good point with the ministry. And now our really focus is what we call 60-40. Um, you know, if we're 40% ministry, we want to be 60% outreach. So, you know, whatever we do, um, we want that percentage and that large percentage to be, we have church and yes, we are a ministry, but what we're known for is outreach and admission. So, um, our really focus and our projection for the next five years is just to, to build the community and see what we can do in those areas and really get heavily into that APMG initiative and really build our community up in, in the outreach. Are there any tips that you can give on the, uh, you're, you're a numbers guy. You work with budgets and different mm -hmm. things like that, and that's always going to be a factor in mm -hmm. what a church is able to do. Is there any insight that you can give to uh, on the budgeting side of things? To yes, uh, that is to um, plan and prepare, uh, I, I would say, um, you know, because a lot of times you don't have that, that liquid cash just sitting there to be able to uh, do a new website and, and do that. But I would say work with your budget and, and be strategic in, uh, however, you know, you work the finances, whether it's a Sunday by Sunday budget, where it's a monthly budget, see what you need to do to be able to start small. So I, I would say strategically look at this is how much we need to do to at least make minor change and set the money aside to do that. And then once you see that, you know, your parishioners see that minor change and you have to develop a culture of that. And so that's the part of, you know, you can spend money on chairs and things, but unless you have the buy-in from the culture of your ministry, it's going to be a waste of money um, because you're doing that, but you're not changing the overall aspect of ministry. So um, I, I would say the key is just to plan, start small, uh, work with the budget, see what you can do. What is the minimum that you can do? Because you don't want to, you know, you don't want a, uh, a flat screen, but you can't pay the light bill. So, you know, you want to be able to meet those uh, those basic needs of the ministry, but you can't be so concentrated on just paying the bills that you miss progressing the ministry. So there has to be a balance there because you can pay the bills and have the bills paid. But if your church is going to shut its doors in five years, what difference does it make to, to pay those bills? So uh, you want to balance out. This is the operating budget of what we need, but let's do this. And I, and I stand as a testimony uh, and EC is one that if you do that, and you may have to make sacrifices in certain areas and set that money aside to start making those minor changes to progress your ministry, then your parishioners will buy in. And then you will see uh, an increase in what you have coming in. And and God will, uh, of course, God will, will make sure that happens that, you know, he tugs on the hearts of people, but we have to do our job first. And once you see that increase, you'll see that the money being spent is bringing more money in for you. So, uh, you know, I would say doing that. And one thing I always encourage churches to do is if you want to make giving easy for your parishioners. So uh, dealing with a budget, if if parishioners have to come to your facility or, you know, just to give. I want if, you know, if Michael's at work and 
you know, he just got a check in the mail. Somebody shook something in your hand. I want you to be able to give right then and there if you're thinking about it. So how can I make? And I got that from, I believe it was Staples. I had the easy button. So that's where that idea came from. And I grasped from everywhere. Uh, how can I make giving easy? How can I, you know, make giving as easy as that easy button where they can just push it and they can be a blessing to the ministry? Um, you know, what we saw was if parishioners, they get paid on a, a Friday, for instance, and they have to wait until Sunday to walk through the doors to give, you know, that Friday night, the car, uh, the tire went flat on the on the car. So they have to change that uh, Saturday. Um, they may go to the mall. So they're spending. So even though we may be a first thought, they can't give us as a first option. So. You know, when you get paid on Friday now, we tease you, you you can pick up your phone and be a blessing to the church. So we wanted to not only be a first thought, but have the access for our parishioners for us to be a first option for that giving. So I would say, you know, definitely look into online giving if you have not done that. And, you you know, you have the options of text to giving. But, you know, people are using their phones more for everything. So you want to have that access of being on that phone as well with everything else with the Macy's and all that, that they're shopping with. You want your, your ministry to be right there so they can be a blessing to you as well. I think one of the great things I've seen uh, in working with you is that um, you work really well with, with the budget and you get the experts to come in in the areas where they're needed. Right. Yet you still have the people in the church that help out in other areas. So you're really good at identifying like where do you need the professional help so right. to speak, to right. do something. And I think that's a, that's a key component, I think, to your what you've done um, is, is recognizing that. Well, we've also worked with you. Uh, sometimes you have a great idea, and, <laughs> and the great idea costs a lot of money. <laughs> so then we'll be like, well, if we take this and this and this, and maybe we take those things out, the essence of the idea might be there. Maybe right. it's for a video. Right. Maybe it's for a, a room redesign. We've, we've done redesigns where we're using just... Uh, same idea concepts, we're doing the same stuff, but we're using maybe a, a cheaper material mm-hmm. or just, you know, or on a video, we're cutting out a, a, you know, the, the drone, right. <laughs> the drone <laughs> shot, but we're still getting the big idea in there. So that's been a good process, I guess, being, being willing and able to, uh, to work within the budget. It has been. And, you know, you generally when you start out with idea and I get that honest from my father, he's the same way. And it's funny now that uh, he's on board. He comes up with ideas and I'm trying to scale him down. Like, I don't think we can have, you know, Denzel Washington in this series promo. I don't think that's optional, but, uh, you know, uh, have to scale him back. But a lot of times when you have ideas, you know, it's an idea, which is which is good. But my uh, what I do is I bring the idea to the professionals, whether that's in the finance area or whether uh, talking about the marketing, I'll bring that to, to Michael and say, this is what I want to do. And, you know, you give me that figure back. And then, you know, we say, well, maybe I don't want to do all of this. And how can I get the same essence from what I want to do just for a cheaper uh, price? And even if that that price, I'm looking at that. And if I'm sure that's something that we need to do to progress. And then it's a thing where I say, Michael, okay, we may not be ready to do this right now, but let's keep this on the docket for, give me about a month and I have a plan to get this done. So then I take that back, uh, to the, to the finance, uh, board and say, this is what I want to do. This is what I think we need to do and sell that to them. And then we plan out a, a way to make that happen. So we're not putting the church budget at jeopardy. Um, Time often allows you to or should allow you to plan accordingly. So you're taking little pieces out of that budget so it's not hitting you all at once. And the next thing you know, you have a kind of a nice, nice pile to work with and do what you need to do. 
Yeah, very good. So um, what is there any tips or anything else that you can um, give to, uh, to anyone listening that uh, would help them out? So I, I know you've mentioned a few things in the past, like mm-hmm. some things that you've, um, maybe a book you've read, a uh, conference you've gone to. Mm-hmm. Are there maybe two or three things that you could say, hey, you know, check this out. It'll change the way you think. Uh, I think uh, one, one conference that really kind of changed my perspective on even how we um, our, our programming, our church programming and, and uh, our Sunday programming and the way we conducted our services uh, was the Catalyst Conference. And actually you turned me on to the, the Catalyst Conference and told me about uh, that, told me about that conference. So I went to, uh, that was in Dallas and I went to that conference and the speakers there were really just life changing for me. And um, I, I believe the, um, the kind of title of the conference was Changers. It's something about changers. Uh, uh, so, you know, they had a lot of different speakers, but even from the way the worship service was, we went, I took that idea back and we changed the way we worship uh, on as far as the way we present worship. And we totally cleared the stage out and, and went to the more worship atmosphere, the way we do things. So that that really helped me. And uh, one of the key things I would say is research what you like. So, you know, um, it, it's no it, it's not a. Not really not a benefit to try to reinvent the wheel. Look at a ministry that's doing what you think that you want to do or that you can grasp from and figure out how to customize that. And that's I haven't reinvented anything. I've just customized a lot. So I've looked at different ministries, whether that's websites that I work with you and say, this is what I like, um, what I saw them doing uh, as far as their services, um, you know, walk into there. Uh, I've tried to get out more to different ministries to see what I can gather from and not just churches. You know, I bring in the the Smoothie King ideas and the Chick-fil-A ideas to the ministry. So everywhere I go, I'm looking at, okay, how do I feel when I walk in? What do they have? And you know what? I can change this. And, you know, I looked at the history of Chick-fil-A that they had, and we did the history wall in our ministry uh, kind of leading up to the foundation. Well, starting with the foundation where we're at now. But I would say gather information from different ministries and look at what your ministry offers what your ministry is as a culture and figure out how you can customize that. So be open to new ideas. Um, and you know, if you go into, um, McDonald's and you see something that will work, always have an open eye. I mean, be totally outside the box. No one would ever think to go in Chick-fil-A and come up with an idea for ministry, you know, or, or think to go into smoothie King and get a smoothie and say, I think this will work for my church. So, uh, to look at the different aspects, but, um, to see church and be in the, and the one thing that I've, I've taught on with different ministry is be intentional about everything you do. Um, when we walk into ministry, uh, when we do things at church, it should be for a purpose. So nothing should be accidental. Be intentional from your customer service to your marketing to what you do. Be intentional about ministry and have a outcome that you want to see from everything. And you'll be successful from there. So yeah. be intentional. That's really good. Just to uh, kind of hit on a couple of things that you mentioned, you do get ideas from all over the place. We actually did a room in the church, kind of based off of Chick-fil-A, I think, where it's a visitor center. Yeah. So the idea is like, if you want visitors, create a space where they're welcomed. And so people are able to go into this little space and there's like refreshments, there's uh, information about the church, there's all these graphics around on the wall, just mm-hmm. showing the ministries of the church and the history of the church. and. So there's the whole environment that we created. And I remember, I mean, how many, I don't know how many times you you pull out your phone, you're like, hey, Michael, (laughs) check out what I just saw. 
or I get a text or yeah. uh, you know something from you, and it's yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that that visitor center was very powerful, and I would say honestly that is one of the most. The, the biggest thing that I've done, and not necessarily the biggest project, but the biggest impact, and it actually was a uh, Acura dealership that I got there from, and I took my, and you know the story is I took my wife's Acura to uh, Acura dealership. Now we live uh, in Edwardsville, Kansas, which you know um, it's about 15, 20 minutes away from the dealership. Now we passed two different Acura dealerships on the way to that one, and you know, and I'll get to that point where I asked my wife, which was so powerful, what she said, but. <clears throat> which totally ch just changed my mindset of things. So I went to the dealership and I was just going in for an oil change. My wife does not have a new Acura by any means necessary. So it's an older vehicle and I went in for an oil change. And, you know, the attendant at that time uh, that was right, that took my, uh, took my information said, well, is this your first time here? And I said, yes, it is. So she said, let me show you to where our waiting area is. So she walked me back to the waiting area and it was, you know, they had like lounge chairs, had the Wi-Fi, had TVs. And she walked me up to uh, a young lady that was behind the counter with refreshments and said, this is Justin Vaughn. Uh, he's here getting an oil change and he'll be here for about an hour. Uh, can you make him please feel comfortable and get him what he needs? So uh, she handed me off to that young lady and that young lady they had a, a a very short menu, but like a grilled cheese and things like that and, and, and free refreshments and soda. Uh, so she said, would you like anything? And she got me something to drink and I sat down in a nice, comfortable, uh, nice, comfortable chair until my vehicle was done. Um, and, you know, I called my wife and I was like, why do you drive all the way, all the way out to that Acura dealership when you pass so many on the way there? And she said, it's a customer service. Um, and she said, it's the, may, the way they make you feel. Now she has a, it was not a new Acura, um, you know, it's a, a lot of miles on it, but as a customer, I didn't feel any different as if I was an elite customer. So they made me feel special and I, and I kind of, and that really, Michael, it, it really <laughs> grasped a hold of to me, uh, grasped a hold of me. And I said, how can we make our visitors feel that special? So we took what was office space and we sacrificed office space. We had a nice big office space that I was in that Deacon Fields at that time before his passing was in uh, and we moved uprooted everybody uh, make them uncomfortable made me uncomfortable in a smaller office uh, that I was sharing with someone else and but we put the emphasis on our visitors so we want you to feel so special as a visitor that we have this space just for you you work with us on the branding uh, as far as putting the branding on the visitor's bag and we developed a visitor's booklet that highlighted our ministry. Uh, we developed uh, the, the cups that have our logo on it. So everything was easy. So we send them home with something. And I remember you saying, Justin, if we, if we do something as far as a handout to them, let's make it so nice that they can't just go home and throw it away. So let's make it not like a brochure that you put on the windshield when they get out of the church. Let's make it really nice that they want to hold on to it. So we, you know, we invested a lot of money into those, uh, those items to give to our visitors. So now from it is not and that's what I mean by being intentional. So now that's intentional that we know um, when they go, we dismiss them before service that the bishop and the pastor and the staff have a chance to really touch those visitors uh, and, and really get a chance to meet them. And the feedback we've gotten is a lot of people come say, I've never been to a church before where I'm able to meet the bishop in a special space space like this i'm able to meet the pastor and him greet me and hug me and really get a chance to talk to me uh so that has had the 
biggest impact on our ministry. And we've seen a lot of return visitors and, and a lot of that that visitor retention so that turns in from a visitor to a person that's coming every sunday then they join and what it does for the finance people which of course i'm a finance person is in turn that turns into giving units so then you have this you know you have this repetitive cycle starting but you know it was so powerful so we have we're intentional about our customer service so we have people that drive from topeka and we ask them the same question you know why are you past so many churches and topeka is about an hour away from where our ministry is why are you coming here? And it's the way you make me feel. So we're not in competition by any means with any church, but quite naturally, if you're going to choose the church, we want you to choose us. We want you to choose our ministry and we want to be intentional about why you choose us. So that, and I'm glad you mentioned that that visitor center has been the, the biggest thing that we've done that has the greatest impact. And, you know, we have the signage of the different ministries. So when they leave that visitor center, they leave with product to take home that they can use for drinking material. You know, they can put water into the cup. They have this nice, um, nice uh, booklet of what our ministry is. And they have this presentation of this ministry that I haven't seen done before, at least in this area. So, you know, the, the, the even the gift bag is one that you would get if you went to the mall. That's where I got the idea from. I want something nice. I want them to feel like they're going to Saks Fifth or something when they walk away. So they have this presentation of who our church is. Uh, and when other people see that, they just see our branding. And that's like, wow, that church really puts a lot of emphasis on visitors in the way I feel when I come in. So that's been the, the greatest monumental thing is that visitor center, which just came from me getting an oil change uh, at an Acura dealership and taking that back and say, if they made me feel this way, I want to be intentional about our visitors feeling this way at our ministry. Man, thanks for unpacking that. That was that was real good. Uh, I think there's a lot of value. Uh, you got the idea from somewhere else. You implemented it in, in the church context. And then the results that you're seeing. Um, I, I keep on trying to wrap it up, but there's one, one more thing right. I think is worth mentioning. You guys changed your announcements um, yes. to, <laughs> to do some something different uh, that your church has never seen uh, mm -hmm. before. And basically you're doing video announcements. Right. And we just introduced that idea to you, and then it took a little while, but eventually you're like, okay, let's, let's start doing this. Mm -hmm. And I remember you telling me that announcements would go on for quite a while, which in the flow of the church. So that solves some issues or some, you know, uh, some time issues within the context of a Sunday service. So just, just talk about that for a little bit. Yeah, our, our announcements before was, uh, you know, we would have, so service would end, and you're at the end of service, I'm sorry. So you have someone come up and say, and, you know, you almost felt like the, uh, and I forget what movie, feel like you're watching the cafeteria lady or something. You know, you see someone and this is what we're going to do today and this is what we're doing this week. So it was very... It wasn't a good time of service at all. I was like, oh, my God, announcements. So what we saw was we would do announcements, and we were spending money on these announcement bulletins to give to people. But 15 minutes after church now, what are we doing next week again? So we didn't have their attention. So we were spending that time, that attention, and it's like, how can we progress this? Now, this was something that wasn't new. Other ministries were doing this, maybe not in the particular area, but around we're doing this. So we would have people that have... You know, we had um, one lady who uh, relocated to Dallas, Texas, and she came back to visit. And she kind of put the, the you put the original seed. And that's when I said, well, we may want to go ahead and do this. She came back and she said, you know, we really need to do video announcements. So she, you know, kind of put that bug in my ear and said, you really need to look into that. That would probably help. So uh, we, we did the, so we worked with you on that. And um, 
I was I wasn't hesitant about the idea, but it's just about putting it together. So I was like, how is this going to work and how is this going to look? Um, so so we did that. And I remember the first Sunday, I remember like it was yesterday. Um, they were expecting someone to walk up. So we dimmed the lights and played the announcements. And again, this round of applause. So I'm like, OK, we can't stop it now. So I'm like, OK, we have to we have to find some way to keep this going. So what we did with our announcements is we would just play them in service. And actually, my brother, who was actually on the staff at the church, he said, man, you really need to put this on Facebook, too. Um, so we start posting our announcements on Facebook. So it went from that to, OK, let's not do traditional announcements. Let's do some comedy and let's put some jokes in there. So we start adding that. And then we had this hysterical reaction of everybody laughing during service. So what we saw when we posted that to Facebook, that people will comment and share and say, you got to see, you know, the end part of this and watch it to the end. It's, it's funny. So we're getting this this traction on Facebook of announcements. So what that does is not only are it draws more attention to your Facebook page, of course, but people are seeing all these different aspects of your church. So who knew that announcements can turn into a marketing aspect for people to say, wow, that's a really neat church. So, you know, it it, it goes from, OK, this church does video announcements to it presents this innovative, again, ministry that is is doing things that are in tune to what's going on. So. You know, and what it did for our young adults like myself is my church gets it. You know, we're finally that church that gets it. You know, we get what it takes um, to, to move this thing forward. So, you know, now people look forward to our announcements and they'll come up to me and say, Justin, when are you going to do a joke again? I mean, we really need that. It's good to be able to let your hair down. Everybody's so serious. We need to laugh. So now they're looking. And I think we have another one coming up here next this Sunday coming up uh, a, a Father's Day joke. But uh, leading up to Father's Day. But, you know, they're looking for that. Like we really miss that. So, you know, they really and it's, you know, all praise be to God for this. But it, it's great to see that everybody again is just so on board now and it's such a drastic turn from where it was you know five years even three years ago now everybody is so on board and it's like whatever we want to do next let's do it because we're excited about what it's going to be so the announcements have you know it, it it shows you if you use and you're intentional about using things the right way they can have a big impact even the little thing that you would not something like video announcements uh, can give you if you use it the right way with social media, which, you know, you've been intricate in working with us on that uh, with social media, whether that's Instagram and you use all those different tools the right way. It can have a big impact for your ministry. Yeah. Uh, so we've talked about a lot and, and we've unpacked a lot. And uh, uh, I didn't want to stop it because I think it's so valuable from where you've come to now where you are and some of the results that you're seeing and and experiencing uh, your your Facebook is one of the most like active Facebooks that I've seen. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we'll see videos, and then thousands and thousands of people are uh, sharing, and you know, so, so a lot thousands of people are seeing it because of that. So it's very active. Mm -hmm. So the culture of the church has really got on board with a lot of this stuff. Um, I'd like for people to be able to connect with you and follow you and kind of see some of the stuff you're talking about. Is there a can you share maybe your Facebook and any other social platforms that yeah, and you can you can actually the best way to reach me on if there's social media is just to go to the um, Evangelistic Center on Facebook page and uh, maybe leave a note there. You can go to the ecinternational.org, the church's website. Uh, I'm kind of in the um, 
in the managing part of all of it. So it gets to me whether another staff member sees it or not. Um, and you can, you know, my email, uh, jvon at ecimks.org. Uh, you can reach me there, but uh, I'm open to uh, whatever I know. And I, I'm, I don't consider myself knowing it all, but one thing I do know uh, that is undoubtedly is my passion for ministry and my passion to help people. So uh, in whatever way I can be of assistance as far as what we've seen uh, and what I've seen and what I've had to transition, what I've had to do to transition our church to where we're at now and even my ideas about where we're going, I'm happy to share that. And Excellent. Help. And I know you've helped a lot of people today. So I know that uh, what you've shared is going to open some eyes and uh, help make some of this stuff a very practical, like, hey, I can do that type of thing. So thanks for coming on. Thanks for spending all this time with us on the, on the podcast. It was fun. My pleasure. All right, Justin, thanks again. And I'm sure we're probably going to have you back. We'll, I'd like to get your dad back. Yeah, here. soon. So let, maybe get your dad to talk about all yes, this. That would be an interesting uh, flip of the coin <laughs> on the other side of that story. So, yeah. All right, thanks again. We'll see you next time. Thank you. I want to thank Justin for coming on the podcast once again. Man, he, he really brought some great information, and I hope this provides uh, some good inspiration. If you're thinking about rebranding or maybe you're in the process of just, of just creating a better brand for your church, um, hopefully this helps you uh, maybe take some practical steps towards that. So thanks, Justin, for, for telling your story, and I know it'll be a great help to our audience so uh, every time that we do a podcast, I like to present a resource, um, usually a book that is going to help you on your journey. This week, I want to present the book called Good to Great by uh, James Collins. And he basically talks about companies that have gone from good to great over a period of time. They've, they've established sustained greatness. So yeah, this book is um, talking about businesses and companies. But the principles in the book definitely apply to churches and any organization that you can imagine, nonprofits, churches, businesses. Um, a couple great principles he talked about was the flywheel principle. Basically that it takes a lot of energy and effort to start something, but once it gets going, there's a great deal of momentum that just keeps it going, and the energy uh, needed to sustain it is not as much as what it is to start it. So you're going to have to be ready to push and push at the at the beginning, um, but after a while, that that's not going to be necessary to keep it going. So if you're going to rebrand something, if you're going to create a new brand like we're talking about today, be ready for that push. It's going to need a, a great deal of effort at first, but after a while, uh, people will get on board and there'll be a momentum behind it, and then you can start to focus on other things, bigger things. Um, the other principle I just to point out from this book is the hedgehog principle. And that is basically the idea of becoming the best in the world at something. So the, he talks about some businesses that became the best in the world at something that they did. Uh, Walgreens became the most convenient place that you can go to. They would build their stores on the corners and only on the street corners, like where there's a major intersection. And they became the best in the world at something. And then uh, Jim Collins just basically was talking about <clears throat> in any business, you can become the best in the world at serving your audience and you can narrow that down as much as you need to to become the best in the world. But it's a great challenge and a great way to look at things as um, you move forward. So you can become the best in the world. Maybe it's serving your community in a specific way and uh, become really, really good at it. Lean into your strengths and become great as a result of that. So again, the book is called Good to Great. The author is James Collins. It's definitely a book that you should check out as a church leader. And it's going to help you a great deal. 
So uh, one other thing I want to let you know about is that we are launching our webinar on June 21st. So we're going to be talking about branding and marketing with Ryan Wakefield. It's a live webinar where you can uh, provide any of the questions that you have, and we'll try to answer every question that we can uh, within the allotted time. Uh, so it, but it's a great interaction, kind of a back and forth. So I want to invite you to come and be a part of that, that webinar. And uh, just all you have to do is go to our website at churchbrandguide.com and then sign up for the, uh, the webinar, and you'll be invited to it and get the link to where you can attend it. So that's going to be a great thing that we can do to hopefully serve as many churches as possible. Just another way that we can um, help to um, get the information principles out there and also may make it more specific to your situation. So uh, please join us on that. You'll get the invite if you did the survey. There's a marketing survey that we have on our website and that we have just let you know about over the last several weeks. So um, if you haven't taken the survey, make sure you do that. Um, you're going to need to take a survey in order to uh, be invited to the webinar because it's, it's kind of based off of those answers on the survey. So uh, take that survey just on our website, churchbrandguide.com. Join us on the webinar on June 21st. It's going to be a great one, and uh, I know you'll enjoy it quite a bit. Thanks for joining me today, and uh, just I, I'd love to hear from you. If uh, you could leave a comment on the blog itself, there's a there's actually a comment section at the very bottom of every, of every uh, blog post, every uh, podcast episode. There's a blog uh, entry for it, and at the very bottom of that blog entry, there's a comment area. So I love hearing from you, hearing your questions. Um, I've even made some phone calls to some people so that we can answer your questions directly. So make sure you... Um, you contact us on the website, and I'd love to hear from you with any questions, comments that you have. Thanks again for joining me today, and I'll see you next time.